Hey, Zero Block 30 listeners, you can find us every Tuesday and Friday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Pride members can also listen ad-free on Amazon Music. For us, golf is simple. It's a chance to get out and have some fun with our friends. But inevitably, little things have a way of ruining it. The group ahead is taking forever. You can't find the fairway with a map. And the Bev cart is nowhere to be found. And the best way to make a bad day better is Fireball Whiskey. You get their nips, the little shooters. They are great. Makes bad day way, way, way better. Make sure to grab the new Fireball Birdie Shot Club. It's literally a golf club filled with Fireball Nip. Put it in your bag. It'll fit right in that side pocket. Drink Fireball Nips and have a great time on the golf course. It's not exactly the most comfortable situations, and it's hard for me to even go through it and explain it, explain the emotion. Because you see, whenever you're having a battalion worth of Marines, a battalion worth of soldiers, um, a squadron full of airmen, or a squadron full of uh, sailors, that it's a very, very difficult process. You see the pain on the face of the enlisted member. You see the pain of responsibility from the officer, and it's a very difficult thing. Connor... Welcome to Zero Block 30, my friend. It's a tough week for us as Memorial Day, but we're going to talk about the emotional stuff first, and then we're going to get into some th- things that really honor those who laid their life down on the line. How yeah, you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Uh, that's a fantastic job, and I think it's uh, interesting for our listeners to hear uh, one of the many traditions that we have in the military, and that is calling roll call. Um, and it's, uh, you know, you you remember being in formation and the silence when those names are being called is deafening. Right. No one would dare step out of formation, utter even a sneeze. It's just the respect level when you have that ceremony to discuss your fallen brothers and sisters. It's just a, it's a very powerful, it's a moving uh, thing. So I think that was a, a great job by you. Uh, letting our listeners know about one of the great traditions we have in the military. But, yeah, big, big weekend coming up. And whenever you have these type of moments, there's a difference between a forward. Um, when I say forward, I mean deployed. Like if you're in Iraq or Af- in Afghanistan, there's a difference between the forward uh, ceremony that you'll have and the one that happens in garrison. You'll do you'll do the roll call in both places. But whenever you're actually there and you are with a member that lost their life, the weight that it takes is so different because you know that whenever you're back home and you're going to something that you're already back on safe and solid ground. Yep. When you're there, it really shows how fleeting life is, and it really puts into perspective, I might die tomorrow. Yeah. It and shakes you up. It really does. And I I told a story on Pat McAfee's show a few weeks ago where I mentioned when there was a corporal named Dustin Lee, whenever he was killed, um, when he was serving with 3rd Recon Battalion outside of Fallujah, Whenever he was killed, I remember when we put his body onto a helicopter to send home to his parents. And then I got the word that I was going to replace him on the mission. Mm -hmm. You really are faced with your mortality, and you don't know how you are going to respond to that. Because for a lot of us that joined in a post-9-11 war, we, we knew what war entails. We know that we are going to war. But until you are actually there, until you know someone personally who died, it's stories. It doesn't become. It's not real to you until you have the dust of the moon dust of Iraq on your feet. Yeah, I you know it started to get real for me. Uh, one of the things uh, we would do at West Point during our, our lunch uh, meal, if, if we lost someone, it would be announced over the poop deck. And I remember that first time that we heard one of our graduates, and it was a recent graduate that had been killed. And then that's when I kind of like really sunk in because. 
when you're at boot camp or you're at school, you know, you can think about those things on the horizon, but it's not a, a constant reminder. But then you hear something like that, and it, like you said, it hits you a lot harder, and it makes it so much more grave about what you're doing. So and, it, yeah, and for and for me, it wasn't even after I graduated boot camp. I remember distinctly the first time that I knew someone who died, and I knew knew him very peripherally. Um, I was at my house. I believe it was Jan- I, I want to say January eighth. So we were we were still on Christmas break. Um, the holiday break was still in full f- fledge, and we were about to go back to work. Everybody had done their little fifteen day block leave on either side, so that both sides of the section were back, and we were going to go to war or go back to work. Um, my platoon sergeant got a phone call. We were at my house having a party. And he got a phone call, and the look on his face was something that I'd never seen. Like mm-hmm. Because whenever you're a junior troop like I was at that time, I was a very junior Lance Corporal, you're not used to seeing your leaders. And a Marine sergeant to a young Marine like myself is the end-all, be-all. He's like, a god. Like, he's the yeah. he's daddy. He's the man, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't give a fuck what my officers say. If no, I, I do get what, it. I, do, I, what, I, know, I yeah. do what sergeant says. Yep. So my sergeant, with a look of concern on his face, because the guy that he went to canine school with, he had got a call that he was killed in action. It was the first Marine dog handler that had been killed in action since Vietnam. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear any stories going through school. We didn't have any of that stuff. So when I, when I heard that Sergeant Cannon was killed, it shook me. Yeah. Because I was in the process of, being, of starting to train for a deployment. At that point, it had been a game. Like, I'm looking for IDs. Like, mm-hmm. nothing's going to happen to me. My dog is good. Yep. Then I hear of there's a firefight at the glass factory of Ramadi. A suicide bomber he was hit with and then going through several days of reading the stories that his father was sending out and hearing those things and thinking about the gold star families it was rough man because i was 24 25 years old at the time and i didn't know the gravity of mm. what was happening yeah and i still don't think i knew the gravity until i was older yeah isn't that, that funny though too like you know we were put in positions very young age when you don't know that you're necessarily Especially for somebody like you, yeah. me, twenty two, twenty three. I'm a I'm a young lance corporal, no real responsibility except for my dog. Yeah, you guys graduate just because you graduate from fucking school. Yeah, that's you went it. to a school with that's the entire purpose to teach you how to do that. Yeah, but there is no teaching. But there's no like, oh, you graduated, so now you're automatically ready. Now, sure, they do you know a good job as best they can to train us, but you know then you got to really hope you get into a good unit with good NCOs, and even at that point, nothing can fully prepare you. For being in combat, except combat. So the, the age thing really resonates uh, with me. And it was something you said that was interesting, too, about peripherally knowing that person. And to me, you know, I knew about some, some guys who had killed, and maybe I'd passed them once or twice, and maybe I said what's up to them, and I knew their name, and they knew mine, but I didn't really know them. But it hit a lot harder than if someone that I'd grown up with that I knew to that same extent had been killed or passed away. It's weird how it works like that, how you feel like there's a a more special bond that you have with those individuals, regardless of how well you know them. No doubt. And we don't want to spend the entire podcast today talking about just death, but I think that we would be remiss as a military podcast if we didn't talk about some of the people who were pretty special to us. So we're going to do that. 
this is still a podcast where it's a business-related thing. It's going to sound tasteless, but we still have to do our ad reads. <laughs> so I'm going to try to get them out of the way, and then we're just going to cruise through the rest of the show. So bear with us for a few minutes. This episode of Zero Block 30 is brought to you by DollarShaveClub.com. If you're a military dude like us, you had to shave every fucking day. So if you're a military guy and you're not part of DollarShaveClub.com, you're an idiot because you're going to go to work with a shitty shave. You're going to have a staff sergeant like me being like, Devil Dog, why is your shave fucked up? And that's the last thing you want to do with get a good shave go to dollarshaveclub.com you can go to dollarshaveclub.com slash chaps and get 15 or get five bucks 15 dollar value your first month is free you get an awesome way to handle after your first month replaces charges ship automatically at the regular price there's no hidden fees no commitments dollarshaveclub.com promo code chaps all right so that's one we have another one coming up too uh, but it's still a business, man. Uh, so help us out. Actually, we'll just go ahead and fucking do it right now. It's a Zero Block 30 thing. So we are going to be ha- – it's Memorial Day. Zero Block 30 is finally having some more stuff that's going to show up. So make sure you follow my Twitter at Uncle Chaps. Follow Captain Cons um, at Captain Cons. Captain with abbreviated C-A-P. No, no, sp- spelled out. Oh, it's spelled out all spelled the way? Out. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, as I was. Um, so – yeah, go to our store. We're going to have a bunch of stuff coming out. There's going to be even more and more stuff. Like if you remember some of the old World War II posters, we're going to take some of those and we're going to turn them into T-shirts with modern-day phrases. Let's talk about that real quick. Okay. Because we had some of our, our own colleagues mm-hmm. and some of our leadership ask us, like, hey, is that okay that you're doing that? So if people say to you, hey, chaps, like, is this okay or is this stolen valor? People ask us that all the time. What is the answer when people are asked, is that shirt okay? Okay, so for me, it's does it take away from the original meaning? And I don't think that it does, like especially for the ones that we're going to do. Like there's a, um, there's a really famous Marine Corps recruiting poster where they still have like the leather on the bottom of the shoe <laughs> yeah. where it says, let's go. And yeah. we change it. To, I think it's let's go, bitch, with two C's at yeah, the yeah, end, yeah. which is a very much our thing to do. Yep. Like it's very much us. I don't think that's disrespectful at all. Now, no, because in real life too, that, that, that Marine NCO – he would say the same thing. Yeah. He would add that profanity at would, the end. Yeah, I would wear that too. Like, yeah. And I would wear the shirt. Like, I would wear it. Like, yeah. that's that's kind of where I go. Like, would I wear this or not? Like, we had another um, listener that had really good intentions of trying to make a cool shirt for us where he took our Saturdays for the boys thing and put it on Iwo Jima. I draw the line there. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a little bit much. I wasn't offended by it. I, don't, I hope none of our other readers were offended by it. But- that kind of shit happens. And it's mm-hmm. okay to make those mistakes and realize, like, I was like, hey, it's not the most tasteful thing in the world. He took it down. And I think that's fine. I don't think you have to continuously shit on somebody who's trying to make something relevant again or mm-hmm. give – because it's clearly you're giving homage to that. Exactly. We're, we're, we're yeah. bringing that up so you can say, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember that picture. And it evokes those memories and it honors those men. Yeah, and everything that come, gets bought in the ZBT store, we're one of the only ones at the Barstool that we give a, a portion – to veteran-related charities, too. Boom. All right, so moving on from that, we will talk a little bit about Memorial Day, and there's been a recent a recent trend in social media because people are fucking pissed about everything. everything. Like, no matter what, people are going to get upset about, especially veteran-related. Like, we, our guest, Major Rooney, that's going to come on in a little bit. I said, yeah, <laughs> Major, yeah, nailed Major, it. Major, Fuck Major, me, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> so he, he, has a, he has a charity that he's going to talk about, but people are already up in arms because Budweiser has these camouflage things. They're like, oh, that's disrespectful. Fuck you, dude. If you think camouflage is disrespecting the military, they're giving a million dollars, like scholarship money, 
to KIA and 100% disabled veterans' kids. That's pretty good. That's awesome. So if that if it takes a camo can to get that across, let's fucking do camo. Yeah. And the military doesn't own camo. Yeah, exactly. It's just, it's a pattern. I don't see conservatives <laughs> going after the fucking Duck Dynasty guys. Yeah. <laughs> and they wear camouflage to church, <laughs> which is outrageous. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, the military doesn't own camouflage. That's like Democrats getting mad at anybody that wears blue. Yeah. That's the extent of it. Yeah. It really, it's a like pattern. Just because you like it yeah. and you wear it to work, I mean- the Lakers gonna get mad because you're wearing yellow. Like, come on, yeah. dude. Like, it, not let's... to mention that the cans that Budweiser specialty cans. You know, uh, by the way, go out and you'll hear us talk about it with Major Rooney. Make sure you buy Budweiser products this weekend. It's a great cause. They look cool as shit. Yeah, I mean, I'm it, not it, even I'm... a big camouflage guy, but it no, but they're, it they're looks decent. cool. Yeah. yeah, and they're the metal cans that stay cold for a long time, which I uh, I like. All right, so let's move on to our regular show. No politics this week. No None. politics at all. We're not talking politics because I don't give a fuck what you're doing. You don't rate to talk about politics if it's Memorial Day weekend. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about some of our buddies who were passed. And it might be tough. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm I'm an emotional little bitch when you're, it comes you're to You're emotional talk. and then you, you, you know, Chaps has got a little bit of a few fingers of stuff. Of whiskey here with him, so that always not adds many to- though. I've only had one glass, so I'm I'm good. Um, it's not that <laughs> I just am. That is something that's definitely hereditary for yeah. for me. When I talk about something emotional, my dad was the same way, my grandfather was the same way. Bubble up with emotion, mm-hmm. and especially after I had brain injuries, like one of the um, side effects that I got diagnosed with was intense cognitive reaction, emotional oh, right. to, to different things. So I am that. Like when my daughter scores a goal, like in, in yeah. soccer, I fucking weep like a baby, dude. <laughs> I, like if I get emotional, like I cry. Like I'm a little bitch. That's cool. Like, That's cool. But real men cry, dude. I was going to say, let's do. put that out there. Yeah. It is okay to cry. Yeah. It I'm is a okay. fucking cr- I'm the I'm the Steph Curry of crying. Yeah. Like I'm the crying MVP. I will cry my ass off. I'm a crier. All right. So I'll start us off. Okay. So the name that I said at the very beginning, Chris Diaz, he was my best friend in the in the Marine Corps. When I first got to Okinawa, Japan, Chris was a little bit senior to me as a Lance Corporal, which doesn't mean a whole lot like in the grand scheme of things. We're yeah. E3s. But in the Marine Corps, when you're a young troop, it does mean something because you've been there for a little while. He knew how to train a dog. I had only gone to school. like I was barely learning. So Chris and I were neighbors in the barracks. We both got married got out of the barracks and we lived next door to each other in base housing my first daughter kelsey was born three weeks later his first son jeremy was born like it might not even been that long i think we were doing like daps like out of the hospital like they (laughs) and they would always go trick-or-treating together like we were like that's cool back i could see his master bedroom from my master bedroom that kind of close um we hung out played madden we did everything together for years um, Chris went on, he did a deployment before I did, came back, taught me some shit on how to find IEDs, like what tricks they're using. They're burying IEDs deeper. He's like, Hey man, psych has got to be able to go buried AIDS. Let's really train on buried AIDS. He would mm-hmm. go out, spend his time. So I didn't know where it was as a senior Marine to me, digging it up himself to plant like the explosives underneath where we were supposed to go to make sure that I was going to be safe and ready to go mm-hmm. whenever I eventually did deploy. But that being said, Chris was a great fucking Marine, has awards for valor, was chosen to go with MARSOC, was like Marine Corps Special Operations Command. He was a great fucking Marine. The problem is, I want to get your thoughts on this too. Okay. The problem is that whenever we have somebody who's KIA, 
that becomes their entire fucking identity. Identity, yeah. It's who they were. Like, like you feel like you can't say anything bad or negative about them at all because they were killed in action. Yeah. And that is not how I would have wanted to be remembered. No. At all. And I know for a fact it's not how Chris wanted to be remembered. Yeah. He wouldn't want to be remembered like some fucking last action hero. Yeah. Because did he do some badass shit? Sure. But 90% of his life, he sucked at a lot of stuff. Like, Chris <laughs> yes, was let's a, not forget that. Yeah, Chris was a terrible fucking golfer. <laughs> yeah. We would go golfing every weekend for two years, and I would whoop the shit out of him every week. Yeah. We went, there was one time, and I told this story before I got hired at Barstool, and Chris and I won NCO of the quarter in back-to-back quarters. Him and then you? Yeah, or, him and then me. Okay. Um, so whenever you... Our battalion commander, was, our battalion sergeant major was like, hey, you guys got to go to a dinner with me, the rest of the sergeant's major on base, and that's just the way it's going to be. There's that, no but option. That's, but that's a big deal, it though. It is, it is. But, but it also, it's, as a, yeah, it's a little bit of a nuisance. you don't want to go. No, we it's were a nuisance. Cor- we were corporals at the time. Neither one of us wanted to go. Yeah. And so I was like, well, let's make this interesting. We'll start drinking beforehand, um, but let's make this whole night a little bit more interesting. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he was always down for that. So I was like, let's play best of five Madden series. Loser has to order his first three drinks, virgin drinks, at the bars with the sergeant's major. Yeah. Now, you're going to a place that serves like ribeyes and whiskey and like typical manly stuff. Like, yeah. That's just the kind of environment it is, which I'm sure isn't shocking for a lot of listeners at Marine Corps. Like, you're ate up about being a dude. <laughs> so, yeah, 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 yeah. So we get to the place, and I remember sitting down at this nice-ass place, and the waitress is going around. Actually, I think it was a waiter. The waiter was going around and getting the orders, and it gets to me, and I'm like, I'll just have, I'll have a Sapporo, which is a Japanese beer. Mm-hmm. And it gets to Chris. You like Sapporo, by the way? No, it's trash. I don't like it either. I don't like really any Japanese beers. It's better there because it's fresh. And sure. Like the... But like when you go get sushi in the States and that's really all they have, you're like, I guess, but it's not that great. Yeah. So I'll tell a story about Sapporo in a minute, but I don't want to get too sidetracked. So we get there. After me, it's Chris orders. And Chris goes, I'll have a virgin pina colada. Because <laughs> the first one that he had, <laughs> had to have to have an umbrella. Yeah. The look on my sergeant major's face when Chris said that in front of the rest of the bases, Sergeant Major, and the base Sergeant Major was so fucking embarrassed. He was just, like, infuriated. Like, why, if you don't want to get tea? Like, you could see him, like, get a Coke. You don't have to drink. Like, not everybody drinks. But don't order a virgin pina colada, dude. So That's kind of like wearing a, a romper as a man. Yeah. So <laughs> my Sergeant, like, we end up having, Chris orders two more drinks. And the last part of the bet was, Chris, I was like, all right, so my one request for you, the last part of the bet, you have to go hand Sergeant Major our sergeant major, a Shirley Temple, while he's talking to the other sergeant majors. (laughs) (laughs) And so Chris goes, gets it, brings it to the sergeant major, and sergeant major loses all type of military bearing. He's just like, what the fuck is your problem, Diaz? Get the fuck outside. And so like he's going from this is a fun evening to sergeant major's about to rip his asshole open. So he's just going and go. He's like, why in the fuck, when I'm talking to the – Base Sergeant Major, would you bring me a goddamn Shirley Temple? And Chris, swear to God, I was outside smoking a cigarette. I could hear the whole thing. Chris goes, because they're delicious, Sergeant Major. <laughs> he doesn't say anything else. Like, And Sergeant Major's like, get your dumb ass out of here and go the fuck home. 
I have to stay for another two hours with these dudes when they're talking to me basically about how great their careers are and what I should do, mm. which I have no interest in at all. And Chris was at home playing Madden, like hanging out. So really, he ended up winning the fucking Yeah, he bet. won, for sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He screwed you over. Yeah. That's fantastic, though, because that's just a, I mean, that's just a prime example of you know, getting your boy. Get, getting, them, getting them good, and you just know. You know the reaction before and at it that even point, happens. When you're a young Marine, if you can't take your ass getting chewed, that's nothing, dude. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. nothing. Especially about something stupid. And, and, like, you didn't actually do anything wrong, yeah. per se. Like, you can, I can get screamed, still, I could get screamed at for an hour and go home and make a ham sandwich and not ever think about it again. Yeah, like, absolutely. you just get screamed at so often, it just doesn't affect you at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that, that's a good story. Um, you know, I'm reminded of two guys, and I think I've mentioned, I know I've mentioned the one uh, uh, maybe a handful of episodes ago, because he just recently passed, and you'll notice his name wasn't on the names that Chaps read, because Chaps read guys that were still uh, in the military that we've lost in the last year, um, but uh, Staff Sergeant Waltman, and uh, if you remember, if, if you've been listening for a few weeks, you remember he was uh, one of the NCOs in my troop in, in Iraq, and he always... Respect. I'll say respected the fact that me and another lieutenant, we, we would be watching One Tree Hill in our office and singing that theme song as loud as we can. So we get home, and, and Chaps and I have mentioned, anytime you come home from a deployment, about a week after, you have a huge ball. And uh, Chaps, what you just said reminded me of this story because we decided, well, we haven't been home in forever. Let's start the balls at six. Better start drinking it, too. Right. So we're over at my buddy, uh, my buddy Rob's house. The other lieutenant I shared an office with. And your alcohol tolerance is shit because oh, you've been gone ter- for a while. It's terrible. It's terrible. So we're pounding beers, Which is pounding problematic, beers. Problematic, but also awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so Sergeant Waltman shows up, and we're all in our dress blues. And you know he's an, uh, a staff sergeant, so you know there's still that that line between officer and enlisted. But you know you can open up a little bit more with your your NCOs and certainly your senior NCOs. And uh, he comes in, and he's got a bottle of Southern Comfort. And, I, I mean, I hadn't really drank Southern Comfort probably since high school or college. But uh, he comes up to me and just unscrews the bottle, and he says, All right, sir, I gave you a lot of leeway downrange watching that girly-ass show. Now let's see if you can drink. And he just hands me the bottle. Doesn't say anything. He just expects me to take a big old pull of that bottle. So, you know, I had to put up or shut up, but... That, that was a good memory I had of him. Um, and then, uh, you know, one other guy I want to talk about. I wear a, uh, every day I wear a KIA bracelet. And a KIA bracelet is a, a killed in action bracelet. And if, if you see anyone in the military, they're pretty recognizable. Mm-hmm. Ask them. Ask them, who's that? Because, yep. at least for me, the reason I wear it is so the guy, his memory continues on. And people can hear stories about him. And I can tell them the shorter version, but I'll tell you now, whenever people ask me, like, oh, who's on your bracelet? It's my buddy PK from college, Andrew Peterson Keel. PK and I were, were classmates, and I first met him junior year. We had a computer class, uh, IT305, and I didn't know junk about computers, really. Mm. And I mean, it's programming and all sorts of crazy stuff. And I was like, I don't know how the heck I'm going to get through this class and keep my grades up. And like second day, second or third class, we we have to get into groups. And luckily I got into PK's group because PK knew what was going on. 
and we met that night with uh, the other girl that was in our group. And he just looks at me. He goes, Connor, I don't know what you're worried about, man. You just stick with me. I'll get you, you know, at least a B plus. And I was like, all right, good, good, good stuff. And uh, he goes back to work, and then he, he just mumbles to himself, probably more like a C or C minus, but you'll be all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but sure enough, I, I got that B plus. Um, but I'm reminded of a time we're, we're getting ready to graduate, you know, a year and a half later. And uh, we have a place on campus called the Firsty Club where you can go as a senior or as a, a junior if you're accompanied by a senior. And, like, we're like two weeks away from graduation. So maybe like I had like a couple finals left or something. But it was a Thursday night and it was a rare occurrence that I didn't have class that Friday, which is a very, very rare thing to just have a day where you don't have class. So, you know, I'm down the first. I'm tying. I'm tying one on because yeah. I'm graduating in two weeks after you know this this hellish four four year journey, and uh, PK's there, and I get to the point where I need some help getting back to my room. Yeah, and I was fortunate enough that it worked out that I had my own room as a senior. So I had most rooms had two beds. I had a bed and then I had a couch. So it's like getting real close to taps. Like he find, he gets me in my room. It's like taps is eleven thirty. He gets me in there at maybe like 11.29. We hear the knock at the door. The guy who's doing the taps check opens the door. I, I, I'm being, I, told, I was told all of this secondhand after the fact because I don't remember this. But apparently the guy, you know, he knew, he knew only one guy was supposed to be in this room. Mm-hmm. So he's like, um, is, is that Connor? He's like, yeah, 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 that's Connor. Don't worry about it. Uh, and the guy's like, well, who are you? He's like, it doesn't matter. Who who are you looking for? You're looking for Connor, right? He's here? All right, you're good. Hit the bricks and shut the fuck up. Yeah. So he put me to bed, and then, you know, he's got to get back to his room for taps. But lo and behold, next morning I wake up at 06, getting ready for formation, because I still had to go to formation even though I didn't have class, and he's passed out on my couch because he couldn't make it back either. So luckily he had a guy that was pretty lenient checking his room that night, so he didn't get in trouble, but I had to, like, shake him up and—, and get him over to his room so he could get to formation on time. But but that that was my point is like that was that was PK. He was He was looking out for you. He was gonna look out for you. Even if he was gonna get in trouble. Even if he was gonna get in trouble because he knew he knew that night and in that class like I needed help more than he needed to help himself. Yeah. And and that's just the PK that, that I'm going to remember. And it, it's kinda it, it's almost fitting. I mean the way he was killed, he was Training Afghani soldiers. He was putting the Afghani soldiers' lives before his own, and he was training them to make sure that they could do their job, and that's ultimately what got him killed. So it's just so indicative of how he lived his life and the person that he was. Um, so, I mean, if you ever see me, you know, look at my look at my wrist and my bracelet, and, you know, I carry PK with me at all times. No doubt. And one thing that we'd be fucking really remiss if we didn't mention it during this show is that a lot of the guys who are going to be out there for Memorial Day, um, they weren't always just killed in action. A lot of times it's going to be something that happened after the fact or they couldn't shake those demons. We can't talk to them anymore, but what we can do is remind you that we're here for you. We care about you. If you're a veteran listening to the show and you're struggling, we want to remember you on Veterans Day, not on Memorial Day. Right. So if you're listening, the Veteran Crisis Hotline number is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. 
You could always hop in me and Connor's DMs on Twitter. You can email us at chaps at Barstool or cons at barstoolsports.com, and we will be more than willing to try to help you get the help that you need because you are worth it. Um, we're going to talk to in just a few minutes um, to a young to a guy, a major, a, a fighter pilot. I didn't call him a nerd in the interview, but we're going <laughs> to talk. He wanted to. I could tell. I saw yeah. your face. He introduced himself and started talking about what his job in the military was, and as soon as he said pilot, Chaps about fell off his chair. Yeah, so we we talked to him about those who have lost family members. Your family doesn't want you to be that. Not just your family by blood, but your family by service. We don't want to lose you. So make sure that you're getting that help that you need. We love you. Somebody loves you. We're somebody that loves you. If you've worn this uniform, there's a, we always say in the Marine Corps, Semper Fidelis, we will always be faithful to the ones that are fighting to the left and the right. We will march to the sounds of the guns, the sounds of the guns that go on in your head, whether you're sleeping or whether you're awake. We will still be there to march to those sounds. Here's Major Rooney. All right, now on Zero Block 30, I'd like to welcome Major Dan Rooney. How are you doing, sir? How are you today? It is a great day to be an American, and I'll start out by thanking you guys for your service. So it's great to be on the show. And thank you for yours on this Memorial Day weekend. Like a lot of people are scared to kind of party. You're going to tie one on, though, right? <laughs> <laughs> responsibly of course of course it's, uh, oh god what an officer answer <laughs> i know what an officer freedom is not free and uh we will definitely be celebrating that fact and uh and toasting uh you know the men and women who have, who have made the ultimate sacrifice because i know that's what they'd be wanting us to do absolutely so sir why don't we just start you know we'll get into your uh the charity that you have started and is doing so many great things but why don't we start at the beginning and have you tell us a little bit about your own military service? Yeah, well, you know, I, I dreamed as, as a kid. I was 12 years old. I met a fighter pilot, and it was my first man crush. You know, I'm like, you can be grown up and be this cool. And uh, and uh, his name was Steve Portwright. Call sign was Reno and uh, built a friendship with him through the years. And I, I knew as a young guy, you know, I wanted to be a fighter pilot and a golf pro crazy combination my dad told me hey you can do anything you want uh, (laughs) i took him literally and um you know um uh, was uh joined the air force um going on 19 years and still flying fighters at the 301st fighter squadron down at Tyndall air force base in panama city and the reserves and you know as uh, you guys understand um obviously i love flying but the, the people you get to work with on a daily basis. Um, I hope I don't ever have to stop. It all comes to an end for us at, at some point, but I got a few, few, a uh, few more good years left, I hope, and, and love serving and, and going faster than the speed of sound is, is pretty darn fun. That That's definitely uh, pretty cool. And it probably bodes well for your golf game. Cause everything I know about pilots is you guys get, you know, a lot of time off to make sure you're <laughs> rested. And well, it's all about targets, right? It's all about targets. <laughs> you, you served, um, overseas, uh, and when was that? Yeah, so I've done uh, three tours of duty in Iraq, two, five, and eight was over there. Okay. Um, doing that, and yeah, still, still, I got 19 years in, and um, my, my assignment now is, is interesting. I'm uh, an adversary pilot, um, so basically, you know, we are stationed uh, here, and our role is to um, reenact red forces or you know the enemy. Mm. And uh, so I don't have any uh, future, at least not on the near horizon uh, deployments coming up. And uh, but you guys know we've been there, done that, and at 19 years and having five kids of my own uh, going overseas, it's a it's a young man's game. So kind of walk 
people through that don't know what a fighter pilot would do in a combat zone, because it's not like you guys are doing Top Gun type shit in Iraq where you're uh, chasing down bogeys and stuff like that. <laughs> what would a normal day look like for you? Yeah, that's a great question. So first of all, you guys say my two favorite words, and that's cleared hot. Mm. Um, and so that's what it's it's all about. Everything we do is is getting to that moment. Which, I, and I always say, you know, the real heroes are the Army, the Marines, special operators, SEALs on the ground, and hopefully the fighter assets are a force multiplier mm-hmm. in uh, you know Iraq, Afghanistan. Because to your point, we're not doing a bunch of air to air stuff. We're doing close air support. And uh, working with um, the the guys on the ground. Most of my stuff, I was a vampire, so I'd sleep all day and uh, get up. And uh, the one thing I hated about being deployed is I had to have um, dinner for breakfast Mm -hmm. because they didn't care about the night shift, right? So you get up and uh, at 5 o'clock in the evening and my first meal is Salisbury steak for breakfast every day. The things that grade on you um, when you're deployed, uh, no, but, you know, typical combat mission for us, anywhere from six to ten hours long, we would air refuel so we don't stop and get our gas. We air refuel over there um, four or five times and during the mission, and uh, ultimately, you know, we're checking in on station, as we say, in, in an AOR area of responsibility to, to one of you guys um, and talking to um, a, a JTAC on, yeah. on, uh, on comms and if there's any trouble, uh, we're there to uh, to suppress the enemy. With uh, generally in the F-16, we carried 500-pound bombs, laser-guided and GPS-guided, and then um, we had uh, 20 millimeters. So the the Gatlin gun in the F-16 shoots about 100 rounds a second. And that's so sexy uh, when it happens in front of you. Oh my god! <laughs> like some of my favorite stories are whenever we would have rooftop security and we would call in our our uh, our guy was called Biscuit, who would tell you guys what what we needed, and he would always be like, all right, look out at this angle and tell us where we go. And whenever the, it was primarily A-10s that we would have in support, whenever they would come by and do their gun runs, I'd be like, oh, my God. Like, everybody, like, starts singing the Marine Corps hymn and shit. Like, it's just <laughs> really cliche and dumb Marine infantry guy yeah, stuff. Yeah, fires you up. Did. Yeah. It we fires were, you I up. I love a gun run. Yeah. And it was always great talking oh. to pilots, too, both, you know, uh, Air Force pilots and and. Army pilots as well, because they kind of just wanted to talk to you in pretty plain language. They didn't need any sort of, uh, you know, code and then certain words that meant other things. They're just like, T- tell me where you want me to put this stuff. So it was always always great having you guys uh, up in the sky. And then uh, something that I try to impress upon people that when you're deployed is it's really different. You're talking about, you know, being a vampire. There's no like days of the week. There's no times of the day. It's just like you're either awake and operating or you're asleep. Yeah, and then that part of it's almost therapeutic, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so one-dimensional and focused um, over there. But it's it's an it's an obvious statement. But every day ends in Y is how I would describe it. Exactly, you know? and it doesn't matter. There ain't no weekends. There ain't no Mondays. Nope. Holidays. It really is strange. Just get them over with, right? It's Mm -hmm. a strange feeling the first time that you're like, and I guess that's kind of like what boot camp was like for me as like an enlisted marine, like. You don't have a Monday through Friday week. It's like, oh, it's There's Saturday. no Friday happy like, hour to look forward to. I don't to. care. You're still getting up in PT, dude. Like, yep. it, it does not matter what day it is. Yeah. So, sir, you had a particular event occur to you on returning from one of your deployments that kind of spearheaded and, and spurred you to do something uh, with your life that you're you're continuing now. And if you could just tell us a little bit about that incident, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I call them moments of synchronicity, and I, and I see them every day. I think I, because I become a watcher, but I, 
but I define synchronicity as chance with a purpose. You know, when you're when you're placed in a, a certain situation and and you're inspired and and so for me, I just got back from my second tour of duty from Iraq. I was going from Chicago here to Grand Rapids, one of those dark delayed nights, had a couple Budweiser's hanging out, waiting, waiting, and finally get on this flight. As I walk through first class, I see this corporal in dress army greens. I don't think too much of it, you know, press on back to coach. And about an hour and a half later, we land in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And as we're pulling up to the gate, the captain comes over the PA and, and makes an announcement that we're carrying um, the remains of Corporal Brock Buckland on the flight who'd been killed and his identical twin brother, uh, Corporal Brad Buckland was in first class and had brought him um, home. And, you know, I speak for um, myself and lots of vets, and we've seen terrible stuff on the battlefield. We understand that freedom isn't free as, as, as we recognize over Memorial Day weekend. But what I had never seen is the other side of war, right? And that night I sat on the right-hand side of the airplane. I watched the, the Buckland family on the darkest night of their lives and he had a four-year-old boy, and the little guy's watching as a dad's American flag-draped coffin, you know, inch down the cargo ramp, and and I just felt a, a huge calling in my heart to do something specifically for that for that little guy um, to make sure that you know he had an opportunity. And as I mentioned earlier, I got I have five daughters, um, but you know the worst worst nightmare I think for any of us is if something happens, you know how how are, how are they taken care of? How do they go to school? And so we started Folds of Honor, uh, a foundation to provide scholarships for spouses and, and children uh, who've had someone killed or disabled, literally above my garage in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, nine years ago. And, uh, you know, since then, it's been an incredible journey, and we've had a, a higher force conspiring for us. There's there's no doubt about it. And we've awarded over 12,000 scholarships now to, to spouses and children and represented in all 50 states. And you know, we'll put about $14 million out the door um, in August for uh, for scholarships this fall. And they're, they're really powerful, too, because they go from first grade all the way through college. And um, it's been, uh, you know, an awesome journey. And just to show you my naivety, probably, and how, how crazy I was when I started this thing out, I wrote down on a napkin, I was like, you know, who are the, the most iconic companies that, that I'd like to, to partner with? And and Anheuser Busch and Budweiser was on the was on the top of that list, and uh, actually flew on Southwest Airlines. And Southwest Airlines is great now; they endow a bunch of our travel at folds. But I bought my ticket on Southwest Airlines and flew to St. Louis and um, and met with them at the brewery and told them about my foundation. And uh, needless to say, like most things in life, it didn't happen uh, on the on the first date. Uh, but I was persistent, and I, you know, I kept going back every six months for almost three years. Back to St. Louis, I'd ring the doorbell, and uh, I think finally, you know, they uh, they started to understand um, the impact of of what we're doing, and uh, and they jumped on board, and it's been an, an incredible run with the with the Great American Lager ever since that point. Yeah, and I think it's so important when you think about the population of folks that you're helping, because I think they're the most forgotten about a lot of times. You know, it's it's one thing our veterans struggle sometimes to get help themselves when they come home. But it's almost like the families, if a veteran is, is killed, their families get forgotten about. You know, they maybe move away from the the, the base and they're not necessarily thought about anymore as, as being connected to the military when they also made a huge sacrifice by losing their loved ones. So I think it's just so great that you are addressing that group of people that it's often forgotten about. 
It is, and I think that's a great point. I mean, it, we live in a society that's here today, gone tomorrow, right? And if it's not on the front page, it's it's not affecting me. And I, I remember, um, you know, with Budweiser, we we have delivered um, scholarships with the Clydesdales around the country. And I remember we were um, delivering to a, a family um, outside of uh, Baltimore, and and literally the, this you know gentleman had been killed in action, and the neighbors two doors down didn't realize it. They came out because the Clydesdales were there and like, what's going on? And um, But even when they move off the bases into their neighborhoods, there is this, this um, you know, this anonymous nature to, uh, to, to combat and the sacrifices that, that have been made. And, you know, as I, I mentioned, you know, Budweiser, they've, they've donated over $11 million and funded over 2,200 scholarships for, for spouses and, and children and uh, continue to uh, to double down um, in the efforts to uh, to help us make sure we don't leave any family behind on the field of battle. And we've got, uh, I think, the most killer packaging in the history of beer making um, coming out with the the camouflaged uh, America campaign. And uh, you know they've committed a percentage of proceeds for this entire week. Uh, up to a million dollars, um, and I don't even look at the, the dollars. I always look at things as scholarships, but that's that's 200 scholarships that we'll be able to put out the door this fall um, by uh, courtesy of, of Budweiser and and those great Budweiser drinkers out there that are that are knocking a few cold ones back over Memorial Day weekend. I can't think of too many things more patriotic than that. Now, what I know that a lot of people listening that have familiarity with the military. We'll know that those that are lost in action have the SGLI, um, and a lot of states provide scholarships or funding for those who have fallen and their family members. Do you guys look at the state that these applicants are coming from before you make decisions like that? Yeah, we do. So we look at all the, the assistance that's layered out there, but this is an amazing statistic, right, um, from the VA. So there's about 1.5 million dependents now that have had someone killed or disabled just in Iraq and Afghanistan. Wow. And the only ones that get financial aid are you're either killed or act, killed in action or 100% disabled. And that resonates to about 9 out of 10 not getting any federal education assistance. So you've wow. got this huge group um, that's you know 85% disabled or 90% disabled that's getting no help. Um, but then to your point – there is SGLI, there's there's some education benefits, but the unique thing that we do um, is not only do we layer on top of, you know, the, the college experience, because most of the time it's not near enough to go to the school you want to, right. but we, our scholarships start in first grade. So there's, there's no assistance for a kid that wants to go to private school oh. from first grade through high school. Okay. Um, and I wear on my wrist uh, a KIA bracelet from Troy Gilbert, who was uh, an F-16 pilot killed in Iraq. And he, when he left uh, or was killed, he had five children, wow. eight down to six-month-old twin daughters. And this entire family is in a private um, school in, in San Antonio, Texas. That's right. Courtesy of our friends at Budweiser. So we had found early on starting this thing out, we were just doing college scholarships, but these families, they weren't making it to college. I mean, the, the disruption level of having someone killed or severely disabled um, and the spiral effect that it had um, was, you know, they were leaving the tracks. Let's just leave it at, leave it at that. I said, we have to intervene at, a, at an earlier time. So, um, but yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're doing a, a lot of good for a lot of folks out there. That's absolutely phenomenal. And then, are you beyond uh, the uh, the fundraising matching that Budweiser is going to do? 
this week. Are you guys doing anything special for your 10-year anniversary? No, you know, we get up early, right, and fight the good fight just like you guys do. Uh, yeah, we're. Uh, this is certainly the, the big thing for, for the summer kicking off for us. And we will, um, with Budweiser, do a great uh, Sam's Club activation. Uh, we've got a, a host of other, you know, great companies out there that are supporting us. And it all leads um, into Patriot Golf Weekend, which is Labor Day weekend for us. And, you know, last year we raised about $7 million over Labor Day weekend, uh, asking golfers to throw in an extra buck when they tee it up. So we're uh, we're, we're in the wheelhouse, right? You can drink Budweiser, you can play golf uh, and serve your country. And I can't think of too many better things to do. I think we would agree. So is there any other way besides just buying Budweiser this weekend that folks can help if they want to help? Yeah, no, I mean, and right, that's that's obviously our, our biggest one this weekend is is go out there and get the America camo packaging, um, and uh, and we'll raise a million dollars that way. Or they can visit our website, which is uh, open just like we're free three three hundred sixty five days a year at foldsofhonor dot org, and uh, make a donation there as well. And the one thing I want to uh, footstop with you guys too is. Um, we are high speed, low drag. Um, we've got a guide star rating of platinum, which is the highest rate you can get from, from the charity watchdog organization out there. And historically we've run right about 86 cents of every dollar going to scholarship program. So that's important to know when people are donating a buck, they want it to know it's, it's making a difference. And yeah. And you, we um, see that so often with a lot of veteran charities out there that are not that way. No big time. Like that, the veteran charity organizations are something that are really, really getting taken advantage of, and I'm glad to hear that your rating is so good. Yep, and uh, we're not still above my garage, but we're not far from it. So, uh, <laughs> we've uh, <laughs> we've been, we've embodied, as I said, the fighter pilot culture, high speed, low drag, and uh, making sure that we're getting out the door. I think that, you know that's a tribute to some of these great companies coming on to support what we're doing. Because uh, we're doing it right, and we're having, a, in my opinion, the greatest impact you can have on someone is to, to fuel their dreams with an education so they can go out and, and be productive um, citizens. And we have, um, I was just, just looking at this, we have over 500 first-time college um, students um, this year, which, as you know, changes the family um, dynamic for, for generations and, uh, all these dreams that we're able to fuel. It's a, it's an awesome thing. Well, I know whenever I got shot in Fallujah that I thought one of the first things I thought about is, is my daughter going to be okay? Like when I thought that I was going to die. And so I know that the guys who did pass and their children are still here, that's going to be something that they would have wanted. And you guys doing that is, it's amazing. And I, if I would have died that day, knowing that there's an organization like yours that is taking care of the kid's future, because you can raise them and their moms are going to raise them right, but if the mom doesn't have the opportunity to send them to college and they don't know how to go about it, then what you guys are doing is great. So I encourage all of our listeners to donate. Go out and buy Budweiser with the can. Sir, thank you very much for coming on the show today. We really appreciate your time. Yeah, I'll finish where I started. Thank you both for your service, and uh, it'll be good. We'll we'll raise an America to America and all those who've paid the ultimate sacrifice this weekend. And uh, appreciate uh, all that you do, and, and keep spreading the great word. We will. Super fi. Take care. Thanks again to Major Rooney for the cause that he is going. He's like working his ass off to make sure that these kids have scholarships all over the place. That's awesome. We also in the Barstool family have Jerry Thornton. Jerry Thornton has an amazing opportunity, and you're going to get to hear about that right now. 
Now on Zero Block 30, I'd like to welcome Barstool Sports blogger who covers the Patriots, covers all things NFL. And this weekend he has a really awesome opportunity to go to um, the airing of a documentary that's voiced by Bill Belichick, Jerry Thornton. Welcome to Zero Block 30, Jerry. Hey, chaps. Thanks for having me on, man. I, I, I love the show. It's a pleasure to finally come on with you. Yeah, and it's always great to talk to you, too. Um, a lot of guys might not know, but your son is in, an active duty Marine, and he's serving in Okinawa right now, right? Uh, he's going there shortly. At the moment, he's out in uh, 29 Palms, which, have you been there? I have, yes. Yeah, so... It's you, terrible. You know, why he, he calls it. He calls it the the litter box. Yeah, and it's awful. Is there are there any palms there? Because I've seen pictures. I've seen a couple of GoPro helmet cameras that, shots that he took. And it looks like it should just be called Twenty Nine Billion Rocks. Yeah, it's called Twenty Nine Stumps for a reason. There's no real palm trees or anything like that at all. Um, when he gets to Okinawa, tell him to look up the Banana Lady when he gets there. No kidding. Okay, is that? Is that like a donkey show? Like, yeah. So the banana lady what is. What did a, she do with the banana? She sticks it in her vagina, and she can cut up the banana in as many pieces as you tell her below twelve, and she will spit it out like that too. Could she make me like a smoothie? Is she is she bad at that? I mean, it's been it's been like. Ten years since I've been there now, so I imagine she's gotten better with technology. I mean, the vagina banana technology has gotten a lot better, so I assume that she probably could. Yeah, I don't know if uh, the Irish Rose wants her baby boy watching a woman do things with a banana up her up his nooch. At the same time, I recognize he, he's a Marine. You know, he's not, he's not the little kid I signed up for football when he was eight years old, so you, you guys can handle that. Yeah, and potassium is important. Bananas are rich in potassium, so... <laughs> yeah, that'll that'll be my point there. Look, I, I can't imagine what a shithole Okinawa is, too. I, I, I kind of get the feeling the U.S. troops are not the most popular people out there. No, they're not the most popular, but it's far, far, far from a shithole. It's basically like Asia's version of Hawaii, like Japan's Hawaii. Like That's where people go on vacation there. There's beautiful resorts. The water, it's like the number two rated scuba diving spot in the world. It's gorgeous. Oh shut up! Okay, yeah. Uh, so it's, like it's 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 heat, it's jungle. I, I I don't know, but but he wants it. I mean, he wants it bad. And then I imagine he's gonna uh, hop a ship and eventually be down in Korea, which is where I think everybody wants their their kids going. Yeah, days. yeah, they, I'm sure. They, they, they get spin out there, but yeah, they got him. He's now like a squad leader, so he's got like 14 guys under him, and they're working on maneuvers and women in the desert. I don't know. We 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 get to hear from him about once every. Every couple of weeks, and it's you know his, his girlfriend's back home, like graduating and going to prom or whatever. And you know we were lucky to get a a text from him on Mother's Day, but that's that's what you sign on for, you know. I mean, yeah, it is, especially when you're just starting out. Like your time is just so so busy. Yeah, that's that's the thing, and and it's funny too because the last time he was home, he said the thing that was stressing him out the most was paperwork. Like, tell, tell me that's not a government operation. You know, it's it's not getting woken up at, you know, 6 a.m. to go run 10 miles in the heat. It's friggin' having to account for all your gear and, and all that other shit. The, and, the gear is the worst, man. Like, and he's getting ready to leave, and he's going to go through it again where he has to make sure that it's spotless. And those supply dudes are dickheads. They don't... <laughs> They make you have it like you just used it, and they're like, "Why does it look dirty?" Like, motherfucker, because I've worn it for a hundred miles. Like, that's why it looks dirty. 
<laughs> and right, while you've been sitting behind a desk counting beans. Yeah. I, I get it. And it's kind of hilarious to me, too, because he was a shitty student. I mean, he was the, like a smart kid, voracious reader and all that kind of stuff, but just couldn't be bothered to do schoolwork. And, you know, we eventually figured out why, because he had zero interest in going to college. He wanted to be a grunt. He wanted to carry a rifle. He had already done all the research in, into that. And um, the idea of him being stressed out by having to do homework in the Marines is sort of ironically hilarious. But, yeah, most uh, people join to escape school, and then your first two years are basically school. <laughs> it's... Did you ever give any thought to, like, military school or anything like that? Did I? Yeah. I wasn't smart enough for that. Okay, because we, we had looked into that, you know, just to kind of, all right, well, you're giving us a direction. He's, like, 15 years old. I already met with a recruiter or whatever. And we're like, well, how about this? So I go, you know, around here it's Mass Maritime, mm-hmm. okay. really great school. Uh, Norwich in Central Vermont, and you know, everyone's walking around in, in uniform and you know, in their camos rather. And it's like, all right, this looks cool. It's like, yeah, yeah, not for me, not for me. I just wanna, I, I just wanna be a boot, you know. And so we signed the early papers and and sent him on his way. And it's, uh, you know, it's. His mom cried. If his little brother decides to go, there's going to be help to pay around here, and I might just I might just move to New York because I don't know if I want to deal with it. <laughs> yeah, I bet. So this weekend you have a pretty amazing opportunity. Tell us about this documentary. Yeah, I, I, I forget how this thing crossed my cultural radar. Maybe sent it, somebody sent it to me or whatever. But you know, I see it's voiced by Belichick, and I, if you're not aware, then you've apparently never read Barstow before. But he's sort of a godlike figure in my world. And, you know, he's got the connection with Navy. His dad went to Navy. His dad was the defensive coordinator for Navy football. It's where he got his start. So, okay, this piques my interest. And I wrote some sort of half snarky blog about how, uh, you know, he's the, clearly the greatest uh, voiceover guy in the world. I, I used to want Morgan Freeman to doc, to be the narrator of my life. Now I want Belichick. Well, I heard from the people putting this thing together and asked if we'd, you know, have some sort of a profile on it. And Barstool is a, an official media sponsor of it. So w- what the Dunchaps has gotten drone footage of the actual beachheads at Normandy, and it's that's never been done before. Wow. And so you get to see the actual topography. You get to see because you know it's one thing you can't get from watching. Even something that's as historically accurate as Saving Private Ryan, just the logistics of these tens of thousands of 18-year-olds hit the beachhead and trying to dislodge this entrenched German, you know, mega army. And so this uses, you know, actual archival footage, but it's also with current drone technology. So you get to see that sort of, you know, the the logistics of it all. And the idea just fascinates me. Oh, it sounds amazing. I mean, and it is hard to see like how wide exactly it is. And given it o- the overhead view, you can kind of put yourself in the position of if you were one of the ones on the boats coming in or if you were one entrenched of what you would actually have to do and what that would look like. Because you imagine it in your head and you're like, well, this 40,000 people on the beach at the same time, where does everybody go? Because the beach isn't that big. Right, right. And there's bullets raining down like, like raindrops on you. And, and you know, I, I think you're like me. You probably watch a lot of History Channel. It used to be military history. Now it's American Heroes. And, you know, they try to explain this stuff every June 6th. But, you know, it, it's usually 
blue arrows and red lines. And it's hard to really fathom, you know, what it was like. So I, I, I love the idea of this. It's all been, um, the, the whole area has been preserved as well as well it should be. And to just get the actual, you know, uh, the, the, the features of it, the terrain, and, and realize probably that it's a thousand times worse than we've imagined or Steven Spielberg made it look. Oh, I bet. Well, Jerry, we're looking forward to seeing your coverage on it. You guys can, if you want to read about what Jerry does on Barstool, go to barstoolsports.com, search in the search icon for Jerry Thornton. I'm sure he'll have more about the event as the weekend goes on. I'm looking forward to seeing that, Jerry. Thank you very much for your time today. Yeah, and uh, happy Memorial Day to everybody. Oh, I should point out, because tickets are available for this thing. It's it's in Providence. It's at uh, Veterans Memorial Auditorium. It's at 1 o'clock on Saturday of uh, Memorial Day weekend. So, uh, you know, thanks to all who served, all who uh, made the ultimate sacrifice, and, and, and their families and the people who continue to remain. But uh, thanks for having me on, chaps. I hope we talk again soon. No doubt we will. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks again to Jerry and Major Rooney for joining us on this special Memorial Day. Connor, do you have any save rounds, alibis, anything you want to mention before we go? Yeah, you know, I think people, especially we talked a little bit in the beginning, you know, people are like getting, they always get up in arms about, oh, you know, don't forget the reason and you shouldn't be partying on Memorial Day. And you know what? I can tell you, if it was me and I was killed in action, I'd want to make sure everyone you, was partying on Memorial Day. You better believe it, <laughs> yeah. dude. Like, rip it yeah, up, man. Rip Saturdays it up. are for the fucking boys. Yeah. Because the boys and girls are willing to fucking put their lives down. You know who doesn't drink fucking beer? ISIS. Yeah, that's right. ISIS doesn't drink beer. <laughs> ISIS doesn't party Just on Memorial Day. Just chug some beers, drink some whiskey, drink some full body reds, because if you lived in ISIS control, you'd cut your head off. Nobody's going to cut your head off here for yeah. fucking drinking, so fucking do it, man. Like, don't be those veterans who are ate up about being veterans and you try to make people guilty yeah. about doing stuff. 